0: Hey, I'm Ramel London. I'm a TV radio presenter and host, and I want to welcome you to the mainstream podcast finally i have the absolute pleasure of speaking to one of my favorite hosts in the uk yes i said host because this man is more than a comedian in my eyes i've actually loved watching every moment of his journey from hosting the sunday show to basically being on the road for a whole year with his national tour a couple of cans he literally took julie cavani and the geezer to a whole new level and last year he secured comedy status with a global netflix special and has a huge world tour booked in as far as Australia, America, and all over Europe. Well, like I said, he has proved himself to be more than just a comedian, presenting multiple TV shows like The Big Nasty Show, The Latest Show, and his brand new live All Star Happy Hour show on Channel 4 to help us survive the lockdown. I'm very happy to be joined by the one and only Mo. Gilles.
1: Yes, yes. Big up, Ramel. Big up. Thanks for having me on this, man. I know you don't mind my, my, my podcast. So. It was only right, you know what I mean, that I, I done yours. So, yeah, thank you. And thanks for that intro, man.
0: Really appreciate that, man. No, thank you. Thank you very much. And yes. Mo, welcome to the Main Street.
1: Oh, mate. That's that's what they're saying on the streets. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love that. I love that. But well, you know what? I want to take it Yeah. Back because I want to know, what was it? What was you like as a kid? Um, As
1: a kid, I was always like, I was just, you know, like, I was funny, but I didn't know that I was funny. Does that make sense? I was just being silly and doing these impressions and accents around my friends and just wanting to make people laugh, but I didn't know I was funny. Until you get a little bit older like a teenager, and then you become the funny one in your class. Do you know what I mean? Uh, Yeah. The older you get, a bit more confident you get, but no, man, I think as a kid I was always um, yeah, just like, I I guess weirdly enough, I, I don't mean to say it when I sound old, but Like, I think my generation was one of the last generations where, like, playing out was a thing. So, you know, it was just playing out as long as possible, climbing trees, going on your bike and just cycling and stuff. So, yeah, man, we had a fun childhood. But as a kid, I was just like, I guess I was just like the kind of funny one, really. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. So, so what did you actually want to be when you was growing up? Because I, I guess most some kids say, like, oh, I want to be an astronaut or like, Polar. yeah, like, what was
1: your thinking? well, when I was like really young and I was like four, I, I wanted to either be like a fireman or a policeman. I don't know why. I was just so <laughs> fixated on those two things. I was like, I want to be a policeman or a fireman. And then, um, when I kind of was like a teenager, I used to play a lot of football, that was like my thing. So, in my head, I was like, I want to be a footballer when I'm older, like I want to play for Arsenal kind of thing. Um Okay. Yeah, and I guess weirdly enough, because it's like I don't know, when I was still that age of like fourteen, you just want I just wanted to do jobs that just looked like bruh, you guys do what you love doing and you get paid for it. And that was always yeah. like I always had that and always wanted to do that. Like, you know, I, I don't think I ever grew up being like, yeah, I wanna be an accountant. Like, not that anyone does, but even at like 16, I was still like, yeah, I want to do like football coaching or something where I can like do something with people and it feels like I'm doing what I love to do and stuff. So, yeah, up until like between like 16 and like I say, yeah, between 16, I want to be a footballer. And then when I left school, I kind of got into more performing arts and acting was what really I was good at, or if, if that makes sense. I, I realised when I was in school, that was the one subject I enjoyed. And then I had a teacher that told me, like, right, oh, you're quite good at this. So that then became, that the focus. Right, oh, I want to be an actor or something in that field. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Okay, that's interesting because when I think actor, and I think a lot of people think action movies and, like, you know, they want to be in Hollywood. So was comedy acting the, the thought process? Yeah.
1: So again? me. So for me, it was always, like, whenever we'd done a play in GCSE drama, I want to do some kind of funny play like, or something that makes people laugh. And you know, that, that, that was always what I wanted to do when I'd done plays and stuff and had to improvise. Mm-hmm. I used to love improvisation, like just like, oh, okay, this is a character you're in this place. Action. I could just switch it on straight away. Um, so yeah, that was always kind of what led me kind of to do more like acting, but more comedic acting, if anything. But then, I think comedy came at a place where I was like, you know, people say, oh, yeah, you're funny. You know, you're you're mad funny, like, and you make people laugh, and people say, you should do comedy, man. But I was like, that's real, though, isn't it? Like, like, I'd never (laughs) been around comedy, and I'd seen it on TV and watched comedians, and, you know, I had a death jam when I was, like, 15, 14. I had a few of the DVDs and stuff, but I always knew that, like, the stand-up form was like, this is real, isn't it? These men are writing jokes, and they're professionals. I just, like acting yep. comedy if that makes sense so yeah I think for me it was just like once I started to do stand up it was trying to have a mix of both, how can I be funny but still be myself and use them accents and them characters and those things and you know use my physicality you know
0: I started learning yeah. about what
1: physicality is and that's kind of where I kind of went with that with stand up comedy if I'm honest That's it.
0: so okay talk me through the the process of getting into comedy do you like sign yourself up for open so heads? this like, was the thing yeah one?
1: i started doing comedy when yeah you, i think that you know you had kojo's corks wine bar that was like where all the you know the, the big com- the big comedians went and it went straight up on youtube like two days later so you could watch it uh if you couldn't get in so i didn't really know how to start i did ask my old secondary teacher because she knew kojo through so through someone I was like, Oh, do you reckon I could get like a okay. slot there or something? And um I didn't hear back from it. So I was like, Cool. So then for me, I remember a friend of mine who went to my school. He's like, Oh brother, there's this show called Sunday Show. You should check it out. He's like like, you know, they put comics on and stuff. So you know, I'd done some small, small, small gigs before then. Like I'd done a friend's wedding. That was like my first o- Oh wow. That's that was like my first deal? official comedy gig, you know. My friend Tyrone, I'd done his wedding <laughs> and I didn't imagine I don't know none of his family. And he's like, Yeah, man let do a little <laughs> comedy thing like and it's so mad because i don't do weddings now i get asked a lot oh come you do my wedding can you host it For real? and i just don't do it but at the time i just wanted some stage time so i had done this wedding and i you know i practiced these jokes and it went quite well and i was like right went it went all right what? so then i had the opportunity to do like a proper comedy night uh around the corner from my house which was like uh you know the pro- professional comedians but they have this like five minutes set so you can do your comedy so i remember i went down there to, and i told all my friends i've been writing jokes for like two three weeks and i remember they said yeah you've only got five minutes here yeah? keep it tight cool 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 imagine though i've got all my friends that i've made come in it and they've all bought tickets yeah as soon as i got on that stage and i told that one joke and got a laugh that was it for me because everyone was laughing and yes it was my friends but then there was people who just came to the comedy night and it's, just, uh, it's hard to explain when you first do comedy because when you first do comedy, you are so nervous. The nerves is mad. Yeah. Like, it's hard to explain. Should I say this? Should I do that? Should I do this? And then you go up. It's like, you're just waiting. You go up. And then when you tell that first joke, that first laugh, let me tell you something. The adrenaline is like, rah, you are know laughing at this. And I made this up. <laughs> nah. But obviously you don't want to get too excited because you've got more to go do you know what I mean but yeah. you do get a, a load of energy from that first couple of laughs you get I always find that when I was first doing stand-up like when I was doing gigs you know especially when you're more unknown then you you start telling jokes He's like "Raw, okay I'm getting laughs here where you didn't know sometimes you get laughs you might say something off the cuff and you're like rah you look like that oh my gosh that was okay cool so yeah I remember the early days in in stand-up it was um I just was like, I can't believe people are laughing at what I've made up. This is mad. Like, I made this up in my bedroom and people like it. Like, it was so <laughs> astonishing, you know. Um, so, yeah, that that's like my, my that's really it. early memories of, of doing stand-up comedy. Yeah.
0: That must be insane because I'm, I'm still a bit shocked that a wedding was your first one because that's someone's most memorable, yeah. memorable day. <laughs> and you risked it all. Do you know what it is as
1: well with, like, with that? situation I remember I was at college at the time and when I was doing when i done stand-up you know I had a a friend of mine Tyrone and he he, you know he does acting now and stuff and um yeah I don't know what it was that made me do it because I that's the most probably I don't do weddings now mainly I don't do weddings as a personal thing because I think it's it's such a personal moment to these people getting married like I just don't feel that I I can add myself to this occasion like it just doesn't f- unless i know you personally then it feels a bit more authentic but yeah i just say to people look i just it's just not me i just don't feel comfortable doing weddings plus also when you do weddings people want so much like yeah man do a joke about my nan yeah and also that's my brother philip yeah my man he doesn't like did it So you gotta do joke about that and you're like bro man's doing 10 minutes bro <laughs> what's this about bro <laughs> so that was also another reason why i don't do um weddings but um yeah I think for me weddings was just like it was just the first thing that came and I only ever done ever two so I've done that first one and then I've done one I hosted my friend's wedding and that's all I've ever done but yeah I used to get so many requests
0: man fair enough I respect you for saying no because some people just say don't don't
1: get me wrong I've been in financial hard times where I'm like you know what doing a wedding right now would be quite good but I know me and I know I'll get there and not feel comfortable and then i've got to tell jokes and sometimes for this occasion you're like people have come for the wedding i like you haven't come to see mm. comedy if anything and i'm if i'm funny at your wedding it's a bonus do you remember that guy at the wedding he was mm. funny in it if someone's not funny do you know how much that is bruv why did you not get that comedian bruv he was dead you know no 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 <laughs> nah, man, just let me down the comedy clubs that everyone else, man.
0: <laughs> well, you definitely proved yourself more than just weddings. Like, tell me about Sunday show mm-hmm. because that was a legendary uh it marked you as being an incredible host, but also you was able to work off the cuff all the time. So that's where you really kind of yeah, in yeah. my opinion. I think that's where you got to learn and test crowds. Yeah, no, is that, is definitely, man. I
1: think when i done Sunday Show, it was already there and it was already a show. And the cool thing about Sunday Show is, I, someone told me, it was like a friend of mine, and he said, "Bro, they got this show that goes on every Sunday. You should check it out if you want to do comedy. They're always looking for new people. So, this was like, oh, okay, cool. I can perform to my, my, my peers, my age group, people that might find things that I find funny. Because I didn't know how to I didn't know, in terms of comedy clubs, I didn't know any, so I didn't know how to perform at any anyway. So I was like, cool, this looks cool. Um, And then I think it was on Facebook that I messaged them and said, look, can I come down and do some comedy? My name's Mo. And I had this video at the time, and the video was like a comedy video I had done at my friend's uni. You know, I've been doing a a, a bit of comedy here and there. Um, And yeah, I, I sent them the video and they said, yeah, cool, like come down not this Sunday, but the next week Sunday. I said, "All right, cool." So a friend of mine, he does music. So my friend Conrad was like, "Yeah, cool, man." Like we always, he does music. I go and support him. I was doing comedy. He come support me. So I was on the way there. You know, I took the bus there. I'm in Soho. Never really been Soho. Even I was like, what, maybe like 19? I think I was like 19. I hadn't really never been to like Central London on my ones. But then you know, like yeah. Carnaby Street and all these places, Bond Street. I didn't really know where I just at. It's West End. I don't know where I am. But I'm here, innit? <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I got there. I went downstairs and there was a girl on the door and she just looked so feisty, like, so moody. So I was like, oh, bro. So I was like, hi, you're right. My name's Mo. I'm doing comedy. And she was like, okay, cool. Let me get Marvin. And I was like, who's, who's this Marvin guy? Who's that? <laughs> Turns out it was Marvin's birthday, yeah? So everyone's like, as he gets to the door, I was like, yo, what's going on, my man? Happy birthday, bruv. And I'm standing there like a fool, innit? So I'm just like, when can I, I was like, yo, what's...? Was like, what's going on? Um, And he's like looking and then the girl's like, yeah, that's, uh, that's the guy doing comedy. I was like, yeah, what's going on? I'm doing comedy. He's like, oh, um, uh, okay, cool. Um, yeah. And then the girl said, yeah, you got, uh, you... uh does he have to pay? So I was like, what? I ain't got no money. Like, <laughs> I thought I was doing comedy, bro. I'm doing it for free. What do you mean do I have to pay? Like, I was just like, I said this in my head, didn't it? <laughs> And then um he was like, No, 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 no it's cool, it's cool. It's cool. <laughs> so I've walked in there, everyone's in there, it's really packed, everyone's saying happy birthday to this guy. So already I'm kinda not out of my comfort zone, but I'd never been to something like this where it was people my age, yeah. it was this big event in central London, all downstairs, you got a DJ, people are dressed up. I said, bro, this is this is real, bruv. This is like <laughs> before I was doing it to my friends, but <laughs> these ain't my friends. <laughs> <laughs> so then I got downstairs. Boy. I never forget this. I got downstairs, and um I, no, sorry, I was already downstairs. And he said, "Oh yeah, you know, comedians sit at the side." So I sat at the side now, and um yeah, I remember just nervous, just like, right, like, what do I do? What do I, what what jokes like, should I do? I had a little notepad and stuff, and then yeah, I just I just nice. started, and I told my one joke, he got a laugh. I told my other joke, he got a laugh, and then I was just like, at this point where I was like, right, wait these are really laughing at my jokes. Not like big laughs, not small ones, but like mediocre laughs, like medium. And then um, okay. I was like, yeah, <laughs> I think I'm done now. Because I, I, I wanted to do more, but I wasn't known. So I was like, let me just, that's my time, guys. Take yeah. care. Catch me on MySpace them days. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you like it, catch me. That was always my thing. I always remembered that when I performed, tell people who I am and where they can find more stuff, basically, innit? That was always a thing. So I'd finished. Then I was just searching MySpace. If anyone had seen it, searching the internet, did anyone say anything? Like, Because they they even had Twitter these times. They had Facebook. But the pictures would come out the next day. So I was like, where's my picture? Where's my picture? No picture. I was like, oh, man. Man's got no picture Ah. of my – because that felt like my first gig. So then the next gig after that, you know, they had this thing called Your Mum Competition, right? So they had messaged me, yeah, what's up, Mo? We've got this competition. Your mum, you want to take part when it gets 50 pounds? So now I'm in a place of like, I'm like, raw, 50 pounds, listen, bruv, that is 50 pounds, bruv. <laughs> like, do you know how much 50 pounds is, bruv? I remember at these times I didn't have no money either. Like, I was like, raw,
0: 50 pounds, They're yeah, because
1: that's that's I didn't see it as your mum. I said, bruv, I'm busting jokes in it, that is what it is.
0: When really your booking fee yeah. be. but obviously more. that
1: you're you're a newcomer, so you just think look if I get paid it's a bonus. At those times it was just like if I got paid yeah. it was a bonus. But in my head I said I need to win this competition because I need fifty pounds in it, so I'm gonna win. So you know I, I went there. I remember saying to my girlfriend I said look you gotta get me some really big big panties like knickers yeah, like you know like like what? big 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 ones yeah. And she's like what's what's if I said so don't worry when you see the joke. Anyway you know. <laughs> going through now. I think it was, it was me and Absol. You know, we're getting against he says something about my mum. And the first thing I said, people were cracking up. Because I had prepared, innit? it? People were cracking yeah. up. He come with something some people were like, laugh. So already I'm like, rah, I'm winning, yeah? Okay. Then he said something else. People's like, meh. I said something else. Boom. I'm winning again. I'm up 2-0, Ramel. yeah? I said, rah, I'm winning. Oh, this is bad right now. So then he said something. Everyone starts laughing. 2-1 so I said alright watch wait for this innit so I said look I shouldn't really talk about your mum because I was with her last night went in my back pocket and I gave her gave him this this big pair of knickers in it? <laughs> and everyone <laughs> went mad innit like everyone lost their minds because you could imagine what uh, black audiences are I like anyway so you could imagine this was, oh, yep. my God. Ah. and then that was the thing that everyone like remembered me by that was like where everyone's like yeah you're that guy Mo innit yeah I see you last week man you're funny still and um, yeah, through that, that's kind of where the, the journey started, really. of Just hosting it, um, you know, I got the opportunity to host it. And then I just became the regular host. People knew me as the host of Sunday Show, you know. And that was the journey of me kind of really understanding stand-up comedy, if I'm honest.
0: So you hosted for about two years, right?
1: If I can remember rightly. But that yeah, two years felt it. longer because I was there every single Sunday telling jokes sometimes you know it's hard because i was always writing a lot of new jokes but then it gave me time to recycle other ones and try them again and try this one again and it's funny because yeah. at that time people said no you're always doing the same joke man and it's like "Bro, i'm here every sunday bro. what do you expect i can't write new material every <laughs> sunday but i did i had to start doing that because i didn't like getting criticism for that no i mean it's the same joke so i had to really write new jokes you know
0: okay that makes sense because eventually. You had your headline
1: show. Now, was this your first headline show? Yes. So this show was like... The big one. I kind of got a lot more comfortable, you know, with material. And I kind of was getting this little name of like, yeah, Mo's kind of funny. So I was like, right, I just want to do a show. I've always wanted to do a a, a one-man show. It was like the thing to do. I'd watch my favourite comedians do one-man shows. So I was like, I said to Marvin, I was like, guys, can I do a one-man show? And I was like, yeah, sure, man. Go for it. And I was like, how long is it going to be? These times, I didn't know how timing works. So I said, boy, we'll do 45 minutes to an hour in the first half. Then we have a second half and do another 45 minutes to an hour. Listen, man, I didn't know about these things in it. That I had two hours of material. <laughs> <laughs> like I planned it in wow. my house. I had my laptop. I'm going to do this joke. i wrote everything out. I rehearsed it. Um, and yeah, I, I remember that day very vividly because as much as it was a one-man show, I just wanted to have that same feeling of performing for the first time like I did with my friends, but do it again on like, now yeah. it's my time. This is me, my show, myself. Yeah. Boom. Let's see if it works. And um, yeah, it just it, I it learned a lot, if I'm honest, because in your head at that Definitely. stage, I thought, boom, I'm ready. I'm ready to go on TV and I'm ready. Where clearly I wasn't. When I look back, I wasn't ready. Nah, because the thing really? is, it's like, yes, I could make people laugh, but once you start doing stand-up and you start doing different audiences and you you change your material and you challenge yourself, I was I was very safe back then with my material. Do you know what I mean? I was doing everything. Okay. All that material was based around me being young. Do you know what I mean? Like, I couldn't go on TV now and do a Get's impression. Like, no one would get it. Do you know what okay. I mean? Like... So and some of the material, when I look back, it was it was young. Some of it was silly. Some of it was quite vulgar material that I I wouldn't do now. I wouldn't do that material now. So I felt like sometimes I was just pleasing the audience of what they wanted to hear as opposed to doing the material I wanted to do. Yeah. So that was when I kind of got comfortable and I could see myself getting comfortable. I remember once performing at Sunday show, telling material, people were laughing. And even I was like, that wasn't really that funny. Like, it was funny, but you like really <laughs> laughing like it was that funny. And I didn't even think it was that funny. Um, And then I remember, like, hearing through the grapevine, like, that, like, oh, yeah, Mo, Mo, Mo can't do a set. He just does Sunday show. And that was a huge driving what? factor to be like, yeah, all right, cool. I'm going full steam ahead with this thing. So I left Sunday show and, yeah, I just started doing more sets on circuits the university circuit was always big um and just tried to really home in a bit more to my material you know
0: one of the standout moments that i remember and i'm not sure if this was your yeah. first tv debut it was a russell howard show and that's the first time we heard you do the rust and nursery rhymes that oh big ups man big shame. ups because honestly yeah <laughs> And like you're saying that your your material, like, I don't know, sometimes you felt like you couldn't always do it to every yeah. audience. Like for me, I felt like you was really bridging the gap between showing your culture and mm-hmm. taking it to a national level. So for you, was it was you nervous to try out something like a Rust and Rag right, on big, big BB Do
1: you know what I wasn't? Because TV. when I when I done that set, I was doing that set in mainstream clubs anyway. So when I was doing these, you know, I was going okay. to like in the middle of the country, nowhere, and I'm doing that, and I'm seeing people really laugh. I said, "Raw," I said, "Okay." And this was when I was doing the tour. So we was doing the couple of cans tour, and then it was like, "Yeah, uh, ne- next next uh, what day was it? I think it was like a Wednesday. Next Wednesday, you're doing uh, Russell Howard if you want to do it." I said, "What? Okay, cool." I didn't have a choice to not do it because I knew how big the opportunity was.
0: Yeah. Um.
1: So I was like, yeah, cool. So in my head, I was like, if I get this right, this will bang in it. That was just always yeah. in my head. I was like, if I can get this right and I do it properly, like, and I make and it wasn't doing it properly. It was just making sure when I perform, I look at the cameras because I'd never done this before. So you get to do okay. a rehearsal. So when I've done a rehearsal, um, I see a camera on the left, a camera on the right, a camera in the middle. So I remember the woman said, yeah, just make sure we perform in Look at the camera. So I said, I need to perform this to the cameras and the people at home, as opposed to the people in the audience. That makes sense? Because at this stage, yeah. this, these, these people in the audience didn't know who I was, frankly. They didn't know who I was in it. I wasn't a, a name then. Yeah, I had a few videos online with the characters, but they didn't know who I was. So I was like, I need to perform this to people in TV land and my audience who might watch my stuff online and stuff. So um, that's what i done. That's literally how I performed it. You know, I had one dry rehearsal of no one in the audience, which you do the sound cues and stuff. And then it was like, yeah, cool. Up next is is Mo Gilligan. And I performed it. And yeah, that's just what i done. If you watch it back, you can see the bits where I look at this camera and then I look at the other camera. And then, yeah, people started being like, oh, I've seen your rhymes. And it started doing well online and stuff. And um, now it's become this weird little not it's not a national thing but people are doing TikToks of it and stuff like it's just like yeah. it's so weird how things like can pan out, you know. That's
0: sick. That's it. So what do you think were the key kind of moments, like whether it was TV, um online, what were the key things that kickstarted um, your comedy career? I definitely
1: think for me, uh, the three factors that changed for me is when I started branching out to other audiences. So I played it very safe playing within the black community of doing comedy shows. Do you know what I mean? Cause it's my audience. I know what I can, I know I can speak about certain things. that's going to get people laughing. Do you know what I mean? Or say certain words, but then I was like, there's more, there's more comedy than just my community. Do you know what I mean? Like I'd watch comedians from all around the world and make everyone laugh. So I was like, I need to make everyone laugh. So a big factor was performing to different audiences up and down the country. I learned a lot of what people laugh at, what they don't laugh at, what they do get, how they would perceive me was a huge deal, you know? Like, that's a big deal, you know? you got to remember, like, being a black guy, you know, sometimes I'd go on stage, and the way I'd dress, I'd have a hoodie on and stuff. So when you're not known, it's like, who's this guy then? Who's he? Do you know what I mean? Like, And then I perform, and they're like, yeah, mate, you're right, mate. You're right for a black guy. You're not too bad. (laughs) Like, So, yeah, like, I think it was just understanding the culture of comedy and stuff. That was a huge deal. I think online helped me get a bigger audience and made me reach people a lot quicker yeah. through, you know, the characters. Um so that was that definitely propelled me to a place to allow me to do a tour. Um and then yeah, honestly, I think the first tour, that couple of cans tour, um, yeah, that brought in T V. That brought in the interest, as I like to call it, because it was like yeah. oh, this guy Mo, he's selling out all these dates. And you know, on in the news, it was like I remember reading news—not like news articles—but people in the press were just like, "Oh, these are like black shows, isn't it? Like it's a black comedian, so he's doing black shows." Yeah. And until people started seeing, like, I put up the videos of people coming, and you know, even people were like Raj you know and I like about your thing, Mo. You got everyone there, bro. You got black people, white people. You got groups yeah. of girls, groups of guys. I see some old couple there, and I think then it started getting people's attention. You know, because the tickets were selling out, so I was never like, please, please buy tickets. Like when I went on that tour and we started the the first date, first of October, twenty seventeen. Uh, was it twenty seventeen? Twenty seventeen? Yeah, yeah, twenty seventeen. Yeah, that date in Cardiff was sold out, and then the next day was sold out, and then people trying to buy tickets from London that were like, I'll go all the way to Liverpool just to see you, and I was like, rah, what for me? Uh Uh, and then um. Honestly, Ramo, like, I was just like, Ruh. I didn't. it never felt real. Because I was like, is it going to stop at some point? Are people going to stop buying tickets at some point? Mm. And they didn't. And that was the only reason why we added tickets. Because more people wanted to come. And that's what made the tour what it was. So that interest happened. And then TV came. And then once TV came, it was like, oh, Mo, we've got this meeting. There's a production company. You should come down here. And you know, I've done some small, small stuff with Channel 4 before. Like so they kinda knew about me yeah. because I was doing like you know, I was trying to create this pilot with another production company to go on channel four, but never on like main channel four if I'm honest. If anything, it was more short form stuff. Do you know what I mean? And then I think when they okay. seen the tour, it just became yeah, like Saida from channel four, she was a the commissioner then. She, yeah, I got to the I got to channel four, had a meeting, sat down with them and they said, Look, we really like you, we think you know, you're just really good and talented at what you do. And we love to give you a show on Channel 4 at 10 o'clock. I said, R-. I remember in that week, and I said, sick. oh, shit. That was the first thing I said when they said it. I was just like, rah. Because I knew this wasn't <laughs> happening out of just like, we have no one to do it. It was someone that just said, like, rah, like, you're sick in it, and I want to give you this. Like, not, not, they didn't want anything returned. It was just like, I see something in you, and. If we give you the tools to do it, we know it can work. And, yeah, in that same meeting, I said, look, we've got this other thing with Big Nasty um, that we're doing. Um, and we'd like you to be a co-host to that if you want that as well. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, my days. This is, this is mad. Because I knew that at that moment, like, my life had changed. That makes sense? And just more of a thing yeah. because I took such yep. a risk in, Definitely. you know, leaving retail, which was a big deal for me it was just like, yeah, Rob, my life has changed. I'm going to have a TV show. Like, and yeah, it took two yeah. years to make because there was a lot of changes, had to get it right and stuff. And yeah, that that just increased in terms of, you know, while I was doing that, I was still doing the tour. Um, and just understanding TV, I got to do a few like, not panel shows, but just TV bits. Do you know what I mean? Like, so... You start to learn, you know, like going building. on The Apprentice after show and stuff. You've got to learn how TV works and yeah. why is that there and this there. And then and Big Nasty Show, that was just me to be myself. You know, I hadn't done any kind of, I hadn't done any TV presenting. Yeah. And I remember them saying and everyone around me just said, bro, just be you, man. Don't be like thing. You need to be yourself. And working with Nasty, doing that show was the best thing. I think for both of us because we we weren't TV presenters. I was a comedian, he's a grime MC. You put us together and now you want to make a show out of it. And yeah, it just literally like I was like, yeah. "Cool, I'm just going to be myself." You know? And I think that was almost the catalyst in terms of me wanting to do more TV because I was like, "Right, I's on TV." You know, watching it back, you can't believe it. You know, like, raw.
0: I don't, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm on TV. <laughs> like,
1: you know? yeah
0: do you know what I've I've had so many conversations about how amazing that show was because obviously you're going to have critics you're going to have people that have you know you -hmm. you know how Twitter is black Twitter especially there's the negativity there like oh this show isn't all that blah, blah 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 but I was like you need to really look at the talent that's involved in this like both you and Big Nasty are naturally funny and I think you really proved yourself because you're not only naturally funny, you can hold a show and you can piece it together. Even when, you know, Big Nasty's going off on a tangent, you can bring it home. And I think that's what kind of, for me as a presenter, I was like, this guy is oh, thanks, man. to be on TV, uh-huh. especially live TV. But no, it's just the fact that you can always bring it back to what is the point of this? We're not just having banter. Like, obviously we want to watch the banter, but I think you really proved that you can hold a show. You can be the glue that keeps it going. And that's what was beautiful for me to see. And I, I think it's clear that everyone kind of saw that. Because, oh, come on now, like you've been nominated for a BAFTA. Was it The Times that said that like, you're the funniest Oh, man yeah.
1: Do you know what what's mad about that quote, yeah, is I didn't know that quote existed until I started doing interviews, yeah. And it's like, so we got The Times' funniest man. I really? Said, who said this? I've never heard that before i said no 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 who said because i never forget oh, i was God. doing something on radio or something so yeah we have going the tell this funniest man i said whoa whoa whoa, whoa. who said this bruv who, who's the person
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's sick though that's sick so okay just <laughs> just to kind of mm. for someone that wants to get into comedy and like they're watching your career yeah. and they're like okay where do i start my question is When did your agent come into this? Because I think your agent, they are going in. I feel like you have a ride-or-die agency who have your back and, like, the contracts must be getting certified. How important do you think it is for a comedian to have an agent?
1: A good friend of mine, Marvin, who was the one who used to run Sunday Show, he was, he was like, I remember he sat me down and was like, look, like, I help manage you, basically, innit? He said, look, I'm not going to take no money, no nothing. Okay. I'm just going to like help you out because he could see that I had something. But it was just like, let me help this guy, innit? Because you see me, I was just like, I just want to perform. Yeah. I didn't know how much to charge. I didn't know how to charge. How do I do it? Like, So he was just like the person who helped me. And he became more of a mentor than a manager, if I'm honest. I learned a lot about okay. how the industry works in terms of and a business sense, if that makes sense. Knowing your worth. That was one thing that was really, yeah. like, important that I think I really took from Marvin was, like, really, what is your worth? Like, stick by your worth. Don't ask for £100 if someone then says, can you do it for 40 You know, meet them in the middle and say, look, come on, man, I'll do it for 80 if you can read." Like, I really understood my worth as a comic. And I remember, you know, I would ask for, you know, what fee that I thought I was yeah. worth for a certain show. You know, sometimes I wouldn't get it, or sometimes I would say you know, I would negotiate and they'd understand why I was asking for that fee and stuff, but it was really important of knowing my worth. Um, so then, yeah, I remember doing, my first ever TV job was CBBC. I'd done this show called The Johnny and I Neil Show on CBBC and I got the part. I went to Manchester for about a week, a week and a half, and I didn't have any agency. I didn't have anyone. Um, and my then okay. manager, or no, my manager, you still my manager now, but um, she was working at this production company who was making this uh, show for CBBC. So, um, yeah, you know, they was they had a small um, management company. They only had one person at the time, which was Dame Baptiste. And they said, oh, you know, would you... Okay. I, I remember I was just sitting there, and she goes, oh, well done. Like You've done really well. I was at the rap party. And she goes, um, well, what do you want to do now? And I said, look, I, I feel like I need management because I just don't, one... I need to find, like, I need to get the best out of myself in terms of comedy. Like, I can get gigs, but I need someone to help me, like, with my material, if anything, you know. So, um, yeah, yeah. And they said, okay, cool. Well, when we get back to London, then we'll, you know, we'll go from there. And, um, yeah, and that was the rest. That was history. And that was way, way, way before a couple of cans or anything that like that started. And it was. It was starting all wow. over again. It was started my material over again but also kind of developing myself and kind of seeing the funny in myself and being myself I think that's what massively helped me when I had management um I think you know a lot of people it's weird because I meet a lot of people who are young up-and-coming comics or musicians and I've had the question like right I need a manager how can I get a manager and it's like I remember at that stage having a manager it felt like I've got a manager they can do it all for me and that wasn't the case back then. Back then, me and Kay, yeah. you know, because Kay uh, got signed, you know, Kay was doing comedy. I remember saying to, to the guys, I said, guys, you know, I should look up signing Kay, man. He's funny, man. You know what I mean? And then Kay got signed. And um, yeah, we went yeah. to Edinburgh and me and Kay, we done everything. We put ourselves in the flyer. We, you know, we designed a poster. And that felt so good because we're still in control of it. We still had to flyer ourselves. We didn't have a manager to be like, okay, you're doing this, you're doing that and doing it. Because then you get lazy. I feel as like an artist or a creative, like it's very easy to look at management that they do everything for you. And that shouldn't be the case. It should be, you need management when, like when you're in a place where you are too busy and you do have someone to, you know, if there's a contract, if there's an invoice, if there's, you know, oh, do you know what? I really want to look at, trying to maybe doing this or whatnot, then you can sit down and plan stuff. Because I meet a lot of young people and I'm like, yeah, man needs a manager. I'm like, bruv, that's not, you don't need a manager, bruv. Just keep doing what you're going to do. And the thing is, sometimes people see, because it's like they're a company, I must go with them. It's like, bruv, like, your sister could be your manager. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? But I think sometimes people yeah, watch films and they think like, you know, this guy in the mercedes arrives. yeah, man, I can make you famous. It's like, avoid that person bruv <laughs> like <laughs> he just sees money like that's just how for it real. works That's is a business but people forget that like anyone can be your manager it. like your mum could be your manager like so for me management yeah. really meant something once it was you know you're doing TV and stuff and you're starting to understand the business side of this industry and that's where it was more yeah. crucial you know and I said like me having management, I still do. You know, there's a lot of projects. I say, look, why don't we look at doing this and stuff like that? And that's how it works. It's not just like, yeah, like you should do this, you should do that, you should do this. You know, I'm still in control and say, look, you know, I don't think I want to do that, or that would be really good to do, or why don't we try and do this and or why don't we just do it ourselves? You know, so I think that's the really importance I think of having management. You know, is that they they are there to help you, but you should never stop trying to do it yourself. Do you know
0: what I mean? Like, you know? 100%. I actually spoke to Kay recently. I had him mm. on um, the mainstream live Q&A. And we were talking about mm. creating content. Now, like you said, you were actually very much capable of booking gigs. Like, you were doing sketches. Like, I remember seeing you on, the oh, big ups. on Comedy Central, which I love. Like, you were you was doing the rounds. So... And I know shortly after that is when you started making mm-hmm. Instagram and like just social media content. So what was it that made you think actually, Do you
1: know what? For me, I, I used to be anti media. doing all these Instagram videos because I was one of them people was like, nah man, you got, but can yeah. you do it on stage? <laughs> like, <laughs> nah man, the real comedy is on stage. <laughs> and for me, it wasn't like trying to tap into it because I never really tried it, but I was always like you know, if I was on Snapchat, I'll do something silly like on Snapchat and just try and create this character, which is where the different types of MCs came that got a lot of people's attention and went viral. So okay. I'd realised that I'd done something that I was just messing around in my bedroom and then it it went online and people was like, Raw, this is funny, you know? And I was like, Rah, I just do that in my bedroom. I'm just fucking around. You don't like that. And then I got this yeah. audience from it. From up and down the country. All oh, right, that was so funny, man. Do a part one, do a part two. I said, yeah, okay, cool. So I done a part two, and then I done another one. I done another one. Then <laughs> then I started getting an audience, and my my social started moving a lot quicker. So I'd get you know more interaction, more people saying, "Oh man, I'm from, yeah. I'm from uh, Manchester, and I watch your stuff. So funny, man. Uh, big big fan." I said, bro. oh my gosh, thank you so much." And then it went from that. To doing characters, and when I say characters, it was just more like the different types. So it went from a different type to being like when it's hot and it's seventeen degrees of what we do in the UK. That's how the geezer came about. It wasn't even called the geezer then. It was just when it's yeah. hot and what geezers do when it's hot. Oh, geez, bloody suberbatus, suberbatus! Like, till you get a couple of cans? And that the <laughs> people that was I didn't make that phrase up. The people took that phrase and that was they they took it and they and then they owned it so it was quite weird to see how everything could kind of just how how rapid it was happening you know people in the street you're like well you got a couple of cans guy in yeah. it like i'm like oh am i okay all right <laughs> i guess i am <laughs>
0: <laughs> fair enough i mean l- like you said these were major characters that were, were loved up and down the country, which then mm-hmm. turned into the Couple of Cans tour, having like sold over 50,000 tickets. Like, wow, wow, wow. What was it like touring? Especially for that length of time, because it was like 18 months.
1: Do you know what it was with touring, yeah? yeah. Because we had yeah. sold out
0: all the tickets,
1: For I needed to prove to people that I'm not a social media guy in it. I'm a stand-up comedian. So this was another challenge where it's like, course. yeah, you're not coming. These things are all sold out. But I was like, I need to prove to you I can do stand up. So I'm going to show you that I can do stand up. So that was the challenge of. And to be fair, when we was going to Cardiff and all these places outside of London at first, I was like, this is so fun. But I wasn't taking it seriously. Like I'm performing. You know, we might go out. I might drink, go to bed late, wake up early and then you perform again. And then you might have a little drink, chill, you know, up up late night uh, in one of the guys' hotel rooms, just busting joke, playing games and stuff, thinking it was a holiday and you you don't realise you're working. Do you know what I mean? And then we had our fourth show in, I'll never forget, it was in Bristol. And rah, man, my voice went, I felt fatigued. I remember beforehand, I had a big, big meal. Because this, uh, this guy messaged me. He's like, yeah, I look, look I'll do it. I've got a Caribbean restaurant here. Let me know if you want some free Caribbean food and I'll bring it to you before your show. All I ask is if I can have one ticket for my friend. I said, yeah, bro, I've come true. So me and the guys had like jerk chicken, rice and peas, dumpling, coleslaw and salad. Before a show, yeah. Oh my gosh, Rimeo, let me tell you something. The way I had itis, yeah, <laughs> I was so tired. I was so tired. And I had to perform and I had a sore throat. Wow. And
0: I'll
1: never forget, the venue we was in, they kept pumping smoke into the wireless performing. So you kept getting that kind of... You know when your voice gets really dry with that kind of dry smoke? Oh, man. And that was yeah. like, raw. I can so then, you know, when we go on to the next batch of tours the next week, I tried to be a bit more on it and stuff. So in the early stages of the tour, it was very much just felt like, yeah, boom, next show, onto the next one, onto the next one, where I wasn't really taking care of like my 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 body if that makes sense cuz my 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 instrument is my voice. Yeah. At times when your voice is going it gets dry, you drinking enough water, are you exercising and stuff. So that's when I think towards the end of the tour I started taking a lot more care of my body and preparing properly doing even if I do like a breathing exercise and just exercising a bit more and stuff. It it really helps me because I sweat a lot and I'm very energetic when i perform in. So, yeah, like when we was on tour, yeah. it was very much an eye-opener in terms of performance, but like endurance. Like it's, you know, it's not a, a, a sprint. It's a race. Do you know what I mean?
0: That's mad. I'm sure a lot of comedians, like up-and-coming comedians, didn't even consider like... Stamina, endurance, all that kind of stuff. Because everyone's mm-hmm. thinking, "Yeah, man, I'm just that like you said, like
1: it's fun." Yeah, you know, yeah. Man. With the tour, like the world tour, people's like, "Right, you gonna see the sights." I'm like, "No, this is work, bro."
0: And the thing is, as well, like
1: in <laughs> your size? head, you're like, "I want to," but then you know, maybe like, let's say for example, we go to New York, and I'm like, "Okay, cool, we're in New York. What's time, what times the show on? It's at 8 I'll tell you what. In the morning, we're gonna go to to the shops. Then we're going to go Empire State Building, come back, drop off bag. Do you know how much time you've wasted? And then you've got two hours before the show and you're tired. Nah, 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 man. Yep. Nah, nah, nah. You can't do that stuff, man. Just relax, man. (laughs) You know what I mean?
0: That is a big learning lesson. I'm sure everyone's taking note right now. (laughs) Well, okay. You've obviously smashed it on on the stage and like online. But now, come on, man, you are all over the TV and, like, oh, even big ups, your man. own Netflix special momentum. Like, that was you. And mm-hmm. it's under your own production company, Momoji Productions, which I think is the maddest statement, achievement for you to have ownership of that. So how did stuff like that come about?
1: You know, sometimes you'd hear of, like, what a production company is. and You don't really know what it is.
0: I think sometimes it's
1: quite naive and being like, ah. Oh, the office is made by BBC. And you're like, no, they're the channel that put on the program. They don't make it, and I think that's what I started learning. Yeah, I was like, rah, this is someone's, co-. and then you realise who owns the company. He's ah, like, oh, so he owns that company, and they make that. Okay, I didn't know that. And once you start learning that, that's the business side of it. You say, ah, oh, okay, cool. And that was where I said, okay, cool, I want to do my own production company because in my head I was like. If I'm going to all these production meetings, which I was, I was going to a lot of production meetings, you know, this idea for that, this idea. And you hear the story of how this company started of, yeah, this guy worked in TV and then he created a, his own company. And now they make, I don't know, they make Killing Eve or something like that. Yeah. He said, rah, so what, you make that with someone else? Yeah. Oh, okay, that's sick. And so I thought, well, I, I, I could do that. I could easily do that. But it's I needed to I, I needed to do it in a way where I was like I'm not going to start making you know obviously in the future yeah you know plans to make sitcom and film and all that other stuff but when it came to my own TV show I had all these ideas you know I'm sitting there in the meeting and I'm I got all these ideas and they're like these are ideas that I'd already had online do you know what I mean let's do a different types and what about we can do something with the, okay. the rusty nursery rounds I said raw this is my stuff. This is all my stuff that I've been making through the years and been doing. I need ownership of this stuff because there's, there's nothing from someone else taking it and then it being theirs but then you've made up the thing. Do you know what I mean? So that was kind of where the production kind of company came into, yep. into effect essentially. Um, and yeah, I kind of started really kind of learning what it is to have a production company, what it is to run a company. Like, <laughs> like I think... That's what the hardest thing is. Sometimes people hear and oh, that's amazing, but the running of it is just as hard. Do you know what I mean? Because you know, like any business, and that's what it is. It's a business. Mm -hmm. You're, you know, you're. It's it's like you know, you look at the man in the shop who's like, how can we make the business bigger? What can we do? And what? How can we make it bigger? Like so, I think at the moment now, it's at a place where you know, you know, got a couple things under the production company's belt. Uh, a lot of future projects and stuff and then when the with the comedy special that was just my forte I was like I do comedy so you know when it comes to my tv show I kind of want that to come under my company because I'm bringing all these ideas and I'm executing it, and I want some ownership as well do you know what I mean because if it's your program or your sitcom it gets sold off and it's not your production company you don't when they sell those rights you don't get nothing for it do you know what I mean? So, yeah, as I said, it's like, yeah, I think that's, yeah. more for, you know, if you're wanting to get into an industry, that's definitely something to look at, because that's why you start seeing, you know, musicians start their own record label. Do you know what I mean? You know, so um,
0: I was thinking that as well. I was actually thinking this sounds like that kind of question that a lot of mm-hmm. artists go, should I be independent or should I go to the record label? Like It feels similar. Because, I mean, for you, does this mean, like, you pay yourself? Like, <laughs> when you got the Netflix deal, was you like? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? It, I think it's one of those things where <laughs> like, it's just, like,
1: <laughs> I have to invest back into myself and the business, essentially. Do you see what I mean? So I think yeah. it's making sure that it's like, yes, you know, you get paid to to do a job, but then you have to make sure you invest it back in yourself. How can I do that? By having a production company and then, putting that money aside into the company do you know what I mean so yeah I think and then and then when you do put it back yeah. in the company then you can then look at things like okay cool like for example getting equipment for the company let's get our own cameras so now we don't have to borrow cameras if we want to do shoots we own the cameras do you know what I mean
0: oh, um,
1: why don't we get really good computers so if we want to start editing we can do that ourselves. Um, have a space we need a space to work and where are we going to do it let's get an office so For me, it was just all these things, but just understanding how to do them properly, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to ask you a really personal question, but not that personal. But does being a comedian pay well? Yeah. (laughs) Because obviously we think Netflix, we're like, yo, it it depends. To
1: be fair, it's like, it's weird because it's like, I feel that when I was doing, uh, just doing stand-up, let's say on the circuit and, you know, performing, and, you know, if you get like a weekend of gigs, and you're performing. That's good money on that weekend, you know. The only thing is it's uncertain because, yes, you're yeah. performing that weekend. But, like, when I look at things like now, what's happened is epidemic. There's no performance. Do you know what I mean? I remember, I remember hearing the phrase of, like, of there'll always be stand-up yeah. comedy because at hard times people want to laugh. But that I know now that doesn't work. There's an epidemic. You can't have people in a comedy club. So now I've been like, oh, my exactly. gosh, raw!" I've got all these friends that do stand-up. You know, and people who normally some people do stand up, cash in hands and stuff. You know, so in that sense, for what you can do on a weekend, if you're consistent and if you're performing, then yeah, definitely, man. You know, that's just from a point of just performing up and down on the weekends and stuff. Um, but yeah, I think it yeah. does. But then at the same time, it's like you you can't look at it as like a, a money job, if that makes sense. I, I'm I'm very certain of that because it's like you have okay. to be careful of what jobs you do. Because then you don't want to be all over one thing, but then at the same time you need to pay your bills. So I think you know you want to. Yes, of it course. can pay well, but you also need to make sure that you don't take every job under the sun. You want to be in a place where it makes you oh, okay. Well, see my man on this, but he didn't do this and red, 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 red. Because you've got to tear. Because gotta remember, there's always going to be someone funnier than you. I'm not the funniest person. There's funnier people than me, but at the same time i'm making sure that i'm in a position where i'm not rinsed out do you know what i mean so that's very important i think with with
0: comedy you know yeah, definitely okay so what has been your highlight so far i mean obviously we're we're in the middle of a pandemic but you're still managing to do big big things like uh quarantine games, and, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about All-Star
1: Yeah. Happy on Channel 4, but so far for you... Oh, I don't
0: know. I think... Okay, the three I'd always career. pick
1: out is the TV show, the latest show. I think that was a big deal for me and just so many other yeah. people. I remember when I was doing that show and the first night it aired, um, I was just like, "Raw, like, you've got... I don't know. I felt like I just sat there and I was like, there's people from, like disadvantaged backgrounds that are watching this being like, oh, "Ra, it's possible. Like, one of the them have made it. That's what it always felt like that first night when it went to air because people, some, you know, there's people like yourself who know I've been doing it for a long time. Yeah. But then there's some people that, like, rah, my man went from Instagram to TV. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, but at the same time, <laughs> they, they said that in a way of like, rah, like, it's really possible. He went from doing couple of cans videos, now he's got a TV show. And that's what I remember that first night when it went out on Channel Four. It was quite a uh, quite emotional because I was like, right like here we are, like ten o'clock, Channel Four, like <laughs> like got my own show, and people are like, tapped into it, and they're texting, they're saying they're gonna yeah. watch." So that was huge. Um, then the Netflix was a big big deal because I think for me it was like it was hard of because course. I had recorded it in like April May like no sorry in April so I was involved in the process of the editing and you know sound and then you know we're like cool what day is it gonna come out and you know I remember hearing like like oh you know with Netflix sometimes they take long to bring things out they might delay it they might change the day and all this stuff right so I was just like oh man okay cool then I heard boom top boys coming out so I was like oh man my thing's gonna get pushed back now, man. No one ain't gonna be watching my thing. Now. Nice. <laughs> Everyone's gonna be watching Top Boy. And then Top Boy came out, and then the people at Netflix was like, Hey Mo, we'd love you to do like a little sketch or something with the guys from Top Boy. And I said, Raw, what me? They said, Yeah, we'll help oh, yes. Top Boy and help yourself. You know, we do these things with like other shows and I said, Oh, okay, cool, man, that'll be sick. And then done that. Uh Top Boy had obviously it come out and stuff. Then it was this nervous thing because I normally with Netflix they normally wait till like the last two weeks to say boom this is out and stuff so like what had happened I think it was like GQ Australia had announced the shows that are coming on Netflix in October I was in that list didn't it, it says like, comedy from Mo Mo and I'll never forget oh. I was in uh, Edinburgh It's coming back I was just, uh, ready to catch a flight to London City Airport yeah and uh <laughs> When I mean Ramel, yeah, there is bare articles that kept saying, "Oh, Mo's got a special. Mo's got a special," but no one's tweeted it yet. So I was like, "Okay, cool." No. Then I get up, just about to board the flight, and oh. someone tweeted it. Mo, I just said you got a Netflix special coming out. Remember, this was secret. <laughs> like, so imagine for the whole summer, like the latest yeah. shows happened, and all that stuff. Like, when I mean only like a couple of my friends, like my my close knit friends knew and my family. That was it. Every time I, you know, you see someone like, I think, what are you up to, man? that a man, just on to the next. I didn't tell no one. Like, <laughs> So when this guy tweeted, I said, look, we need to make an announcement <laughs> yeah. now, because I don't want someone telling, this is huge news. I don't want, like, Graham Daly telling everyone before I do. Of course. Like, I was like, I need to tell it first, it? <laughs> like, so then, um, yeah, then, you know, there's a lot of back and fro because you've got to remember everyone's in different countries. So they're based in LA, but then there's someone course, who's yeah. based in Amsterdam who's got to give the go-ahead to someone based in uh, the East Coast. In New- I was like, oh, man, come on, let me just say and tell people. And then I landed. And don't forget, I was stuck in this traffic coming back from the airport. Big, big traffic near Woolwich. I was like, come oh, on, man, come I'm like, I'm on <laughs> that far home, innit? I was like, please, just send me the thing. And then my battery's going as well because I've been mean, in this car right. for so long. Uh, the guy's like yeah I got a charger gave me a charger Mad. and then he's like yeah cool you can tell people when I mean my heart was beating yeah <laughs> my heart was beating right in the caption because I was like okay cool like oh man I gotta do it because in my head I kept thinking someone's gonna tell me, someone's gonna say it before I do it and then yeah just announced it and it just went nuts yeah like, in terms of the announcement in terms of people like rah oh, like congratulations Looking forward to it. And on the day, was quite weird because I'd had a month of anticipation. Normally, it's like two weeks. So I had a month of people waiting for it. And it came out in the UK at 8 a.m. And by 9 o'clock, I had tons of messages from people around the world. Yo, man, just watched your special. Loved it, bruv, so funny. This is all around the world. And it was like this, like, nonstop for about, close to about a month to six weeks. Where, like, imagine, like... How can I describe wow. it? Like every ah, uh, how can I describe it? It's not even like always notifications. It's like you know when you go onto your like like let's say you go onto your Twitter or what people have mentioned you in or what people are saying. That is all you see for six weeks to the point where you, it's not you want to mute it. Yeah. But you're like, oh, okay, cool. This is nice, man. People and you, you get people that like it, people that don't like it. Um, you know, but yeah, it was just constant for like a good six weeks of like famous people watching it. That's overwhelming. Yeah, it was, for me, it was massively overwhelming because, you know, if it's like everyone telling you, you're the best, you're the best, you're the best, you are the best. (laughs) And me being like, thank you so much, but I can't be the best. There's, it's not like I can't be the best, but you're like, thank you so much. And it's not that you want to believe the hype. But you also got to be careful not to believe the hype. Because that's when you can be like, I can do anything. I am the best. Look at what yeah. my people say about me and Red Tear Tear. Because I need to, like, I, for me, it's just people to watch it. But at the same time, it's like, I got to do another special. And I got to do another one. And do you know what I mean? So it was quite a, a was, yeah, quite a challenging time, if I'm honest. Because you got people that will message you for no reason. Bruv, your Netflix special was shit. And I'm like, okay, fair enough. That's your opinion. That's cool. Some people oh say, my Big gosh. Man, why are you doing comedy, bro? You're not funny at this thing, bro. <laughs> like, <laughs> provoked. <laughs> Do you know what? When, it, when it's TV Those and it's guys. on at 10 o'clock, you know you're going to get that. <laughs> oh, man, I've watched this latest show. This is garbage. Cool. You've watched it at 10 o'clock, innit? Like, <laughs> or if I put a funny video up, at that time, I'm going to get, like, some people say, oh, this wasn't funny, right, tet. That is always going to happen, innit? But this was, like, for six weeks, so bare people, 10 people yeah. on oh my day just are so funny, but it's the best thing I've ever seen. It's the best. Someone, ah, oh, bruv, you're shit. <laughs> you're like, oh, okay. So it's not like, it's not even like you don't know what to believe. Because obviously I put the work out. <laughs> I was proud of it. And I, I think it was it was a great special. But at the same time, you you can't let that get into your head of believing, like, everyone's telling me I'm the best. I am the best. Like, you can't let that get to your head. For me, it was like, thank you so much. But now I have to move on to the next one. Do you know what I mean? I can't dwell on this, on this. Exactly. Like obviously, let like people watch it in their own time. And people are still watching it and I still get messages and stuff. But at the time, it was just like, whoa, this is quite overwhelming right now, you know?
0: You have named some massive moments. So thank you for that. Now, Mo, what would you say are your top five tips to make it in the mainstream as a comedian?
1: The first tip is uh, be yourself. Uh, And the thing is, people hear that and it goes through one ear and another, but it's important to be yourself. So don't be someone else in the meeting and then on screen you're yourself. Be who you are throughout everything, through auditions and, you know, you're meeting someone, be yourself. Like people see when you're you, do you know what I mean? So I think that is massively important. I think the second thing is you have to take risks like it's very easy to be in your comfort zone and say would you know what i'm comfortable doing this so i'm gonna do this and just keep playing maybe to this audience or keep doing this type of music or keep doing this kind of sketch like you have to take a risk do something it's not so much you're uncomfortable with but do something that's like you know what let me try this and see if it works it might not work but hey i need to try it in it so i think that's massively important um the third one, this one is just like just be nice. I've got a lot of jobs by being nice, and I don't, the thing is it's hard when you when I'm saying be nice, like don't fake it in it, but like just be nice to people, man, like it gets you a long way, and people people don't realize being nice is like yeah, I think sometimes in this i I remember having this meeting. And they said, "Oh, Mo, man, you're such a nice guy, man. Oh, I bet I'm gonna meet you in two years' time. You're gonna change." I said, "What?" I said, "What do you mean by that?" He's that like, everyone? Everyone changes, but it's okay. You're new into it. I was <laughs> like, "What?" Like, no, nah, like you're meeting me. This is who I am. Like, I'm just being myself. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, I think being nice to people, you know, greeting everyone with the same yeah. energy. Do you know what I mean? Like, don't be like, "Oh, you're important. Let me talk to you." But you're a runner nah man just get me the tea like nah it doesn't work like that man if you have the energy you won't go far in this thing i'm telling you man it's not a good thing to have and i'll be honest i said it again i've got jobs by just being nice not by by being nice but just being oh yeah most nice guy man we should get him on this project and stuff you know um so that definitely helps i think the fourth one is um try and do a bit of like like research of the industry if that makes sense no i think one thing that i do a lot now especially having a production company who is the exec you know this isn't something early on but you know if you want to get into a certain industry you want to know like boom like, I, I want to start doing comedy how do i do comedy clubs let me find the comedy clubs that's what i mean in terms of research you know i think i do it at a different level now mainly because i work in tv and stuff but i think you know if you want to get into stand up and stuff how can where is the open mic nights um, how how can I do open mic nights where do I apply, is there any competitions like there are things out there for you but you have to search it, do you know what I mean, you have to look high and low, you can't just go on page one and two of Google like <laughs> try and go to page nine if you have to, you'll be surprised <laughs> what you can find and stuff you know um, and I think the fifth one is yeah man, feel free to do it yourself as I said, we spoke about management before but you know, do it yourself. All these videos I've ever done is on my iPhone. Like only only this year, Ramel, I've done videos on an actual camera and edited them on big final cut. <laughs> like throughout this whole time. Like you know That's what I mean? Mad. I'm not doing nothing extraordinary. I'm doing it all from my phone. You know, I'm doing it on my phone, I'm uploading it. But yeah. And I say if there's a sixth one, is look at yourself as a brand. That is hugely important. The way you conduct yourself, you are a brand. Just because you're small-time, up-and-coming comedian and no one's heard of you, you are still a brand. So always conduct yourself as a brand. Maybe you might have business cards and stuff. Make sure they look cool, man. Make sure they look professional. If you give that business card to someone, that they say, oh, do you know what? Oh, okay, cool, man. This guy conducts himself well because you are your brand. Do you know what I mean? So that is massively important, you know?
0: Jeez, you gave us six top tips. Thank you, man. Okay, so before we go, you have to tell us about your brand new show, All-Star Happy Hour, that launched this week on Channel 4. Like, How did this happen?
1: It's not like, there's no magical story of like, yeah, like this show happened because I went to Channel 4 and they said, this show, you know, with the situation we're in now, you know, this pandemic and stuff. Yes, you know, I was doing quarantine games, which was just a bit of fun. I was just like... Just fun man. I just got this wheel. I got really you know, once I find something, I really want to find ways to perfect it. How can I make it better? How can I make the the next one better? So that's what I was like, boom, I'm gonna get a wheel. I went on Amazon, I got this spinning wheel. I said, Right, I got the wheel. Now I need music. Let me buy the thing to adapt <laughs> to my phone and get music. Let me get sound effects now for the music. So all the all the gifts. Some people thought I was like being sponsored and stuff, bought all the gifts with my own money. Didn't get no one, you know. There were people that offered some nice stuff, but I was like, no, that's not really what it's about. Um, So yeah, I got loads of gifts myself. Just bought them, and I just like raw. Like, I was like, this is hard times, man. Like we just need people to just laugh and vibes and stuff. And that was where yep. quarantine games came from. And then yeah, Channel Four was like, hey man, like <laughs> they didn't say it like that, but <laughs> it was just like. <laughs> It just yeah, it was just a conversation <laughs> that like was like, Oh, there's a possibility, hey, like, would you ever want to do like this on T V <laughs> and stuff? And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess it can work. And then it was like, Cool, what about next month? <laughs> and it was like, All right, cool. And then it was like, Yeah, you yeah, that's, that was that kind of how it happened. And wow. Obviously, like it's my production company expectations, so you know, doing a lot of Zoom meetings and rehearsals for it and stuff and yes, it is live and I've done live TV once before, which was at the rated awards. So that was that was the live T V oh, yeah. that I had done. Um so yeah, yeah. Smashed, by the way. Oh big ups, man. Big ups. Do you know what it's weird? I've done like other T V stuff. I never felt pressure, but when it's your own like people your age group and stuff, I don't know what kind of pressure that it is, you know. But I was just like, I'm nervous, boy. These are like this is my this is me, <laughs> it? I could be a uh, meme. <laughs> like I could be an I'm just bait. I don't want to flop tonight, you know? So I think that's where the kind of pressure came from. But, um, (laughs) yeah, um, I'm looking forward to it a lot. And I think, yeah, I'm just trying to recreate what i had done with, uh, you know, quarantine games and have it on TV. But in a way, that's like, you know, we're going to try and up the levels, you know, but still kind of give it that kind of homemade feel about it and just make it fun. Do you know what I mean? Like, so... So, yeah, but it's gonna be fun, man. we've got some wicked guests we've got Raheem sterling taking part, Jesse Jeez. Lingard uh United football player, so yeah man, uh, yeah, I am really excited about it. people get to watch it. it's only like four episodes what's we'll say four episodes, we've got four four um one hour shows, so yeah, it'll be every Monday, and yeah man, if you like it, support the thing, man, yeah man, this show is for the people win it like it's not yes, we've got celebrities Listen. on it, but it's it's a show for the people it's the people watching at home that feel like raw like i feel like i want to, i could be playing this show or be involved in it do you know what i mean like
0: honestly when i saw quarantine games i was like this is it this is the segue to mo having his own game show like i'm so glad i'm so proud it came to fruition like my whole timeline was saying it as well yeah. oh you we got you know
1: we're doing these things it's I just like it. So, the thing, so it was never like, oh, rah, boom. If I do this, I might get a TV thing. It was just more like, oh, do you know what? Like, everyone's stuck indoors, man. What can we do that's as fun? Like, everyone can take part and it's random. Because one thing that inspired me was, you know, we used to listen to radio years ago and you could phone in. I love that. Because I remember being that kid of like yep. 13, phoning up the radio, getting a text. Yeah, we read at your text. Bruh. I remember they said, Bruh, big up, man, like me show. I said, nah, that weren't me, bro. <laughs> yeah. You said my name wrong, bro. It's Mosiah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, man. And recording that and that being on my, you know, I, I got oh that shout God. out. So that was what kind of inspired me of that kind of old, like, pie radioness of it, of just like, it's that there it is siphoning. You know, that's why when people come in here, like, yeah, I'll call it your life. What's your name? Yeah, my name's John, yeah. obviously. We got everyone. Get me, play some Wiley, bro. That was yeah. what it was. But just making a game out of it. Do you know what I mean?
0: absolutely well okay i'm so grateful for your time you're such an inspiration to not only me as a presenter but i'm sure to so many other creatives who are kind of trying to go from the stage to online and now you're doing it on a global scale so thank you again let them know where they can find you
1: so mo gilligan mo the comedian or mogilligan.co.uk
0: ah uh, thank you so much mo and thank you for joining me on the mainstream no no worries man thanks for having me thank you for listening to the mainstream podcast with me ramel london make sure you subscribe rate and review on apple and spotify and follow us at the mainstream uk and at ramel underscore london